Hello, everybody. Welcome to Thursday night edition of Channel 79 Podcast, going head-to-head against the football game. We are Vince, joined by T. What up? What's up, T? Um, what are you going to say? Anything up? or No. Nothing up? No, nothing's Seven up. up. No, nothing's up. Nothing up. It's cold. It's going to snow. That's what's up here. It's not gonna. It's not gonna snow in Pittsburgh ever. I don't know about that. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that global warming stuff's getting to us, I guess. <laughs> um. Anyway, we're back again. Um, coming off of UFC 217, we got the Cardinals and the Seahawks tonight. Um, going on right now. Seahawks up seven nothing in the first quarter, just about here. You got a pick, T. Uh, Seattle's going to win this game. Alright, it's probably a good pick. I mean, um, they got the highlighter yellow unis on against the, the black unis of the Cardinals. Yeah, if we're, going, um, if we're going based off uniforms, I'd definitely say the Cardinals won this one. I just like that, like, all black sort of look, and then they got the red numbers. I like the black. I wish they could go black, the black color with the helmets, too. I think that'd be sweet. Yeah. But yeah, the highlighter yellow is kind of kind of out there a little bit for me. But um, they're trying. I don't know. They're hanging in there. Fitzgerald's about to catch a pass. <coughs> and Vince is about to cough. Yeah, I just coughed again. I got some problems over here, but <laughs> we're working through it. Um, other well, there's a football game tonight. Other than that, there's the Cavs are playing the Houston Rockets. Almost halftime, Rockets are up four. Um, early season matchup, two pretty good teams. Uh, two good players still out. Chris Paul's out. Um, Isaiah Thomas is obviously out for the Cavs. So, big matchup, not as big as it could be or would be later in the year. Um, so, I don't know if you want to talk about that, T. Uh, not really. I mean, it's... Give a thought on that. Cavs have been struggling. I don't know what the Rockets have been doing, but yeah, the Rockets are off to a pretty good start. I think they were eight and three. Um, you know, probably not as good of a start as you'd expect with that team. But since Paul's yeah. been out, it's been they've been a little bit lackluster. And I mean that'll happen with losing, you know, a key component. Not that he was there last year, but uh, a star a star player is still a star player. And <clears throat> so if you were in if he's been playing all these games, you would expect the record to be better than eight and three, which is, you know, a little bit odd to say because eight and three is still a really good start uh, for the Cavs. Though they've been uh, pretty terrible, <laughs> uh, and I don't think there's any other way to really, to really phrase it. Yeah, uh, they kind of put it together. I was watching them yesterday, the day before, the day before probably. Uh, Jr. had like I don't know, like 27 points or something, so got him going. Um, but they've been struggling minus their oh uh, minus their acquisition I guess um, Isaiah Thomas so they still got to work him into the rotation worked a lot of new guys into the rotation really Dwayne Wade Crowder uh, yeah the odd the odd thing though that I noticed guys, is yeah. they're they're just giving up a ton of points which is not a very usual thing for 
for a LeBron James team in general. So yeah, were... I, I I think um, part of that in the beginning of the season was just uh, trying to figure out rotations, trying to you know play. I think Lou was trying to play around with some rotations. And I think they they can settle on some pretty good defensive rotations, you know, when they need to, whether it be in the playoffs or you know December when when everybody starts picking it up a little bit. I think they have a, a deep enough roster and, and a versatile enough players to put together some decent defensive rotations. I don't know. I don't know if um, if there's. I mean, obviously you're not playing as well as you could be. There's concern, but I don't know if there's cause for panic in in Cleveland as some might. Well, there's not going to be cause for panic because they're going to ease into the playoffs, and for them, it really doesn't. It doesn't necessarily matter what seed they are. Um, so, as long as they work out everything before now in the playoffs, which I think they will, you know, they should be they should be set to be at least in the Eastern Conference Finals again. Yeah, I mean, um, it, at this point, it's got to be. Um, Wizards, Cavs. I don't. Oh, they played the Cavs played the Bucks the other night. That's who they beat. Uh, Giannis went for like forty-seven or something crazy like that. So. Um, yeah, he's. Beast. I mean, he's going to be the MVP this year. He's just. He is just destroying it right now. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, it's going to be interesting to see how. The they traded for Bledsoe, right? Yeah, Eric Bledsoe. Yep. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how he fits in. Um, they traded Greg Monroe, who was, I guess, a rim protector of sorts. Yeah, I mean, he's been... I don't know. I don't know if he's a more defensive or offensive guy. He just kind of seems like a, a a bigger guy that's on the not super athletic, just kind of fundamentally strong down low. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's been... He was better three, four years ago than he is now um, when he was with the Pistons, but... I mean, he's still he's still decent. He's just he's been dealing with a lot of injuries, so um, I I mean I, it was still a good trade for the Bucks to get rid of him if especially if Giannis is is going to be you know playing the way Giannis is playing. You don't necessarily need an offensive another offensive guy, so there's not going to be less minutes for those for those bigger guys. Yeah, um, the Bucks have a pretty good nucleus there now they lost the first round pick in that trade too but they're young enough where that shouldn't hurt them too much that is NBA news that we just kind of tucked ourselves into <laughs> I didn't have that written down anywhere but Eric Bledsoe to the Bucks for Greg Monroe in the first round pick um, but that's it for NBA I don't, I don't think anything else happened nope that's all I had uh, Oh, let me cross all that junk off. Dude, oh shit, that's not what I want to say. Alright, so last week we talked about the UFC card. I don't know how our picks went because I don't remember what our picks were. Uh, um, I know I lost the first two title fights. I don't remember who I picked in the last one. Yeah, my picks weren't very good. Uh, besides Rose, I think she was the only saving grace for me Yeah, that's that night. Good. Um, so if you didn't watch three title fights, three t- three new champions when the night was over, um, Wonder Boy beat Masvidal and the other 
bigger name fight of the night and um, yep. that's it it was uh, an entertaining card to say the least I would say I, I think you didn't you enjoyed it just as much as I did I would say yeah I in my opinion it was probably besides well I mean obviously watching John Jones beat Cormier was probably my favorite moment this year regardless of how that played out afterwards um, but yeah, this card, without besides me getting most of my picture on, <laughs> this was one of the most fun cards just to watch because there is there wasn't one fight I don't think from start to finish that really was a bummer. I mean, they all they all ended um, <clears throat> they didn't they didn't all end in in a in a knockout or submission, but every single fight was pretty entertaining throughout. Um, and there's only one that I can remember that had a little bit of controversy, and that was the Harris versus Godbeer uh, fight, where the ref called time after uh, after Walt Harris uh, hit inadvertently hit Godbeer in the you know in the junk, and the ref was like trying to trying to give Godbeer a moment. And like he was calling time out and like put his hands on Harris's chest and Harris threw like a kick that put Godbeer down, um, and it all it ultimately resulted in a DQ of Harris and Godbeer won. But besides that fight, um, <clears throat> all the other fights were were highly entertaining. And that fight itself was was actually a really good fight. It's just the way it ended, you know, kind of sucked. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I uh, the three title fights rose with a a TKO or I don't know what they call it TKO stoppage in the first round. Uh, TJ Dillashaw TKO in the second round and GSP with a rear naked choke in the second or third round. Third round. Third round. Yep. Um. So yeah, it was a it was an entertaining night in the garden. I believe they're going back to the garden in November of 2018. So it was a good night for the UFC, and uh, yeah, it was it was fun watching them. Fun watching the title fights, although they didn't go the way I would have liked the first two anyway. Um, GSP got the win. See what he does next. That's it for for what happened. Um, yeah, that that card. Uh, that Young Jacek Nami Yunus fight was was awesome to see. I mean, I, I, we we both we both love Joanna, so I mean, it was kind of hard to see at the same time. But you know, Thug Rose just went out and she actually submitted her. She actually made Joanna tap from strikes, which is something you don't normally ever see. <laughs> and she, I mean, she just she just laid it on her. And it was that that fight was even though it lasted what three minutes, if that, you know that yeah. was a that was a highly entertaining fight from from start to finish, and you know and it led right up to Garbrandt versus Dillashaw, which was another highly entertaining fight. I mean those two if you if you didn't even if you didn't know their backstory going into it, just the way that they fought each other just looked like they hated each other's guts and it looked like Cody was going to get the win there at the end of the first round 
he he knocks down TJ and he just jumps on him and starts punching him and luckily for TJ the the round was basically over and he was literally saved by the bell and then just coming out the second round there he came out and they sort of went at it again and uh, TJ caught him with a nice shot and then ended up finishing him so you know those two those first two championship fights were just were awesome from start to finish for both of them yeah for sure that's a good good little recap there the first two title fights and then the main event of the night was Michael Bisping versus the returning George St. Pierre um, for the 185 title and um, and it was a third round stoppage rear naked choke um, yeah I mean it was, it was that was a pretty good fight as well back and forth on the feet most of the time um, GSP took him down there towards the end and was eating a lot of shots while he was mounted on top from Bisping who was on the bottom you know landed some elbows cut him up real bad and I I think they got back up and then GSP landed uh, an overhand left knocked him down took his back and uh, that was pretty much it for that fight yeah so GS- GSP was off for like four years I think so that's a pretty impressive feat coming back after all that time off and not showing you know too much too much rust in there a little bit but yeah get, got the job done I guess well his next I mean it's obvious that his next fight is going to be against Whitaker um, for the because Whitaker's the he holds the interim, uh, interim belt, yeah right? the interim belt right now so and and he doesn't have a fight scheduled yet and he just fought was it July so yeah, it's, I think he got surgery on his knee or shoulder or something. So he's been out for a while. Yeah. So my guess is their next fight, the, or the next the next middleweight fight, big middleweight fight will be those two guys going at it. If if Whitaker is capable of coming back within you know the next six months, if he's not, if his if his injuries are, you know, if his if if he can't come back from surgery that quick, um, look for Saint Pierre to maybe fight. Um, UL Romero um, he would be next in line um, considering he just beat Bisping so it'd probably be UL Romero or um, I don't think it would be Luke Rockhold because well yeah well what I would do is if, if it's GSP what GSP has said is it's in his contract that he has to fight Robbie Whitaker for the 185 to unify the belts that's within his contract now if that is what actually happens that's yet to be yet to be seen you know he could uh he could fight woodley for the to universe i don't know unify looks of us but take woodley's belt down low woodley did call him out after the fight he could uh i don't know he could do something else if he wanted to but it, he said it is in his contract he fights robbie whitaker and um mm. Whitaker is from Australia and there's a card in Australia sometime in the near future but they don't know what they're going to do with that and um, as far as Michael Bisping goes he said he's not going to retire he's going to keep fighting so was there a question that he was going to I mean he I mean he he's I don't know he just uh, you know would never you know he's said he's going to do it soon he's he's uh, always on the like the Fox shows, the pre-fight shows, that kind of right. stuff, the weigh-in shows. So he does a lot of that. So he is on the way out. He was just, you know, 
just working on it. But as far as Bisping goes, it, would it make sense to do Romero versus Bisping at this point right now? Um, yeah, I mean, he's... He, yeah, the answer is yes, because... Because I, I was looking forward to that... It it I doesn't guess, make sense. I guess I guess if it was for the title, but it doesn't make sense for Bisping to fight really anybody else at this point. Um, uh, I, I mean, right. I mean, Rock holds up there. Uh, Jakari knocked out. Yeah, Jakari Souza's up there. Chris Weidman. I mean, those guys don't really excite me. I think, I think Bisping's next opponent is basically Romero, and then and, and, yes, and that has been the, the sort of natural rivalry that has progressed over the years over the last year or so so the only thing that makes sense is is really for those top four well top yeah those top four to fight each other meaning Bisping takes on Romero the winner of that takes on the winner of of St. Pierre and Whitaker and whether that's Bisping St. Pierre 2 or it's Romero St. Pierre 1 or Romero Whitaker, whatever you know, however that however that turns out, I think that's the next logical step for that for that division. I just don't think. I mean, it sucks for Luke Rockhold because he's going to be kind of the you know outside looking in, but I th- I think that's just the natural progression of that division. Um, maybe Rockhold goes up against Weidman, and they kind of settle on who's going to be the net you know in a in in a nine ten months down the road who's going to be ready for that next title fight but i don't see how any of those guys rock hold on down can really make a strong case to be considered for a title shot in that weight class at least yeah i don't know either and i don't think uh i think we have the answers to any of those questions (laughs) at this point it's an interesting division with gsp at the top and uh See what they do with the with the rest of the guys and intern belt and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Uh, I mean, it's really the, it's really the same in the other two divisions. Uh, Dillashaw said he doesn't want uh, given an immediate rematch to Cody Garbrandt, so that's pretty much wide open. And Rose said the same thing to about the 115 belt so that's pretty much wide open as well so yeah we'll see we'll see where those three go it will be interesting coming into the new year it will be interesting to see what Ioana does I mean now she has a chance to get out of that division if she wants it if if unless she wants to be the champ again I mean that's kind of that's kind of an unknown I think to this point of which division she wants to fight in next either stay at the same weight class or or whatever. Yeah, I I think the plan was to go to 125 at some point, but this Mm -hmm. either delays it or expediates it. You just don't know. Right. It's just too early to tell at this point, I guess. I think she wants, I mean, ultimately, I think she wanted to be a two-division champ at the same time, but... I I think the plan was break Rousey's title defense's record... Move to 125 and be a two division champ. Mm-hmm. But obviously, all that's out the window. So, right. So, oh, and Dillashaw still wants the the Demetrius Johnson fight. I don't think he gets that now. I mean, unless they do champ versus champ, but 
I'm not sure that he gets that now. I think yeah, by I, I think by winning he ruins his chances of of getting that fight. That's and the only reason I say that is because yeah, it would be night it would be a unique fight to have on a card. But that's basically the UFC saying we're giving up two championship fights in one fight. And it's not that yeah. big of a deal. I mean, when you think of, I mean, when you think about it in that terms, it's kind of a big deal and then you and then you, when you take a step back and you say, "Well, it's not that might be what actually saves that flyweight division because as you know, they've been the ratings for that flyweight division have been pretty low because you just expect uh, Mighty Mouse to win. Yep. So if if by putting him against another champion in the division in a in a step up fight or a catchweight fight, however they however they want to play it, maybe it breathes life into that division. If you know if Johnson actually wins that tight wins that fight, so I don't know. There's two ways. Of, there's obviously two ways of looking at it. Um, it'll just depend on how how the UFC and I and I think that they would be more worried about having two championship fighters fighting on one in one fight than they would be to uplift that flyweight division. So I think just my opinion is by Dillashaw winning that fight, he kind of ruined his chances to to fight Mighty Mouse. Yeah, that kind of it's kind of a weird situation two championships going up against each other, you know, at uh Mhm. It uh, takes another title fight away from another card, basically, or the same card, and then right. diminishes. You know, because technically he would still like if Dillashaw loses, would he still be the 135 champ if it was the fight was at 125? Right. So all that. Uh, so technically, I guess, but it's just a weird. It's just a weird thing. And it wouldn't be. Um, yeah, and it wouldn't be a title. Well, I guess it wouldn't be a title fight if it were a catchweight. Catch nope. That's a yeah, good they point. couldn't like unify the belts at one, one thirty or anything crazy like that. That would be right. That'd be weird, but yeah, that's a unique, unique situation that may happen, and it probably won't happen, but it could. Mm-hmm. You never know. But that's two seventeen. You got anything else to jump in on before four two seventeen? I, I mean. Uh, not for 217, no. I just have, um, the two people who were, were ruled out at their next bout. Yeah, before we get to that, I just wanted to bring up, uh, this fight night. Oh, there's, uh, yeah, it's like Norfolk, Virginia or something? Yeah, it's, it's in Norfolk, Virginia. A couple, couple fights that I'm going to be looking for, uh, my boy Sage is in there. He goes oh, up against... Right. it is your boy. He goes up against, uh... Queen and Nose, uh, that they're on the FS1 prelim card, so you'll be able to watch. Actually, everything's on FS1 for the fight night. Um, so that was one fight I wanted to bring up, and then there was uh, Joe Lazone. Um, he goes up against Clay Guida. Guida's been, you know, he's one of the vets in MMA, so that should be a pretty decent fight. Those two guys going at it, and then um, <clears throat> there's a, I think it's heavyweight. Arlovsky's fighting, um, and he's always entertaining to watch. He he ends. He's got a twenty-five and fifteen record, which, you know, isn't that isn't that great. <laughs> but um, 
I just like watching him fight. He he tries to finish his opponent, and out of those, what is it, forty odd fight, oh, forty fights, um, you know, he's it, it's ended his way um, in knockout almost seventy percent of the time. So that'll be a really fun fight to watch. And then obviously the main uh, main bout in that one is um, Showtime Pettis going against Dustin Poirier, and those two guys are really exciting fighters too and um like like Arlovsky Pettis tries to finish his opponents and <clears throat> both him and Poirier are about 50% TKL guys so expect that fight to end in a knockout one way or the other um so that's I just wanted to bring that up before we got to the 218 and 219 yeah it's actually a pretty good card there's I recognize names basically all the way up and down it yeah. Um, even a couple on the fight pass, you got uh, a decent women's matchup, strawweight, and the preliminary cards, Angela Hill versus Nina Arsenoff. Uh, you got Stays Northcutt. You got the last uh, women's tough champion fighting as well. Um, then you got Joel Lazan, Clay Glita. You know, those are big names. Nate Marquardt's a big name. Yep. Uh, Brown and Sanchez. And then the main event is, is a really good fight. Poirier and uh, Pettis, so mm-hmm. that is a good free card to tune into um, Saturday. Yeah, I yeah. Know this Polk, is Virginia. This is one of the few that, at least of the last couple that have been, you know, free on FS1 or FX or whatever that actually has pretty good fights throughout the whole, throughout the whole card, and it's not just the main event and the co-main event that have, that have big names. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. That is a it's a good card. So tune in Saturday if you're not doing anything else. Um, and then there is let's see. There's another fight night after that. There's another fight night after the next fight night. There's the tough championship, and then we get the UFC 218, who was supposed to be Frankie Edgar versus Max Holloway for the featherweight title. However, Frankie Edgar Frankie Edgar suffered a facial injury, I guess, which he now had to pull out of his uh, main event fight with Max Holloway, and it is now Max Holloway versus To Be Determined. So we'll keep an eye on that, see who they plug in there to uh, get a shot at the belt. And uh, Frankie Edgar from the U, Clarion. Shout out, Claire. The answer. That's right. Uh, but that's that. The next two pay-per-view cards are, are were very good cards. We'll see who they plug in. But uh, still a lot of potential there for the Holloway fight if they can get somebody good in there. Um, so we'll see where that goes. And the next one I was alluding to, UFC 219, I believe that also was the main event... Let me see. They don't have. They didn't have two nineteen oh, listed right. as main events have, yet. There is no order in them. Mm-hmm. But there was supposed to be a fight: Dominic Cruz versus Jimmy Rivera. I believe he was supposed to fight. Yep. Um, Cruz is having to withdraw from that bout. Um, I think he broke his arm or did something to his arm, so he's out of this two nineteen bout. December thirtieth. That would be. Uh, that's like the big 
that's that's a pretty big card as as far as USD calendar goes, right? The last basically their New Year's Eve card is always a big card. Yeah, um, I guess it's like one of the it's like wrestling terms. It's like one of the big four pay per views, I would guess. Yeah, it's I mean so, outside of outside of the fight week stuff, it's well, probably their international fight week, and then the Garden is now it's up there no matter when it is. It's right. probably up there now. Based on the last two times they went, and uh, I think they do a big one. Oh no, that that's the international fight league. So yeah, I mean, that's, those are probably the top three. So, um, but anyway, Dominic Cruz, Jimmy Rivera. I think Jimmy Rivera still wants to stay on the card, mm-hmm. but Dominic Cruz is off the card. So we'll see where they go with that, and we'll see what um, what main event they bring in for that fight. I think Dana's holding out to see if uh, Connor can make it back for that, but. Maybe a bit of a long shot at this point, so. Yeah, well, they got. We'll see. They have other problems with him, um, uh, wanting to be, you know, be as he, I think, as he put it, a true partner before he fights again. So they're gonna have to work yeah. some things out contractually with him before they, even, before they even assign him a fight. So. Yeah, he wants to basically co-promote along with the UFC. Um, It'd be like uh, um, um, what's his McGregor Sports Entertainment um, in conjunction with the UFC present mm-hmm. UFC 219, which it would be unprecedented for the UFC. It happens in boxing, it happens in other combat sports, but for the UFC, it'd be unprecedented. But the um, the what Conor McGregor brings to the table is also unprecedented. Um, the money he has bankroll now compared to what he has what he had the last time he fought in the UFC is a hundred times more so he's a he's a different animal and there might have to bend uh, or break down some, uh, some past traditions that they never did before to get him back in um, is it worth it probably you know you don't know but um, he's a different animal and he they gotta they gotta get him back in the negotiating room and figure it all out my guess is it doesn't happen. Just, uh, I just don't think it will. I, I mean that it opens. The problem with that is, like you said, once once you start, once you do it for Connor, it doesn't matter to the next person that it was Connor. They just see that the UFC is now amenable to doing it. So who's to stop the next like, like Mighty Mouse, for instance, doing it? He's he is the according to the the UFC rankings, you know, he is the pound-for-pound pound pound champion. And while he doesn't bring in the, the same amount of money that Conor... I mean, it would take probably, honestly, four fights for for Mighty Mouse to even come close to one fight that Conor would bring in. Um, but, you know, when does it stop after Conor... You know, with George's St. Pierre coming back, you know, is he also in line to do it? And then, obviously, DC hasn't technically lost in a while is he the next one to do it you know i mean it's just it starts a whole set of problems that i don't think that the ufc really wants to get into plus and when you add in the fact that you know they just they were just sold though who wme or whatever yeah WME, IMG. yeah they're not i don't think that what is it nine months in or even if it's a year into them buying ufc they're going to start to give up any sort of revenue so 
my guess is at least initially they don't do anything they don't give in to connor and i think it probably stays that way um but i could be wrong i mean ultimately at the end of the day if he threatens to not fight again they have to look at their books and see whether or not it's worth it to have him not fight again because he can't fight for another promotion i don't think as long as he's still under his ufc contract so right he would um, have to wait that out which whatever i mean he <laughs> he might end up doing then just start fighting for be kind of like a free agent and maybe take one fight for bellator and then come back and take one fight for the ufc um but as a full-time under contract fighter for the ufc i just i don't see it happening yeah i mean the uh the obvious the, the two extremes are co-promotion versus the, what what they're at right now i think there is probably a creative middle ground that makes everybody happy right. at least in the short term to get them back in um you know, there's probably smarter guys than us that's going to be in on a meeting to figure it all out. Um, and if they, I mean, like I said, McGregor is a completely different. Um, not, he, he he's a completely different business model than he was the last time he fought in the UFC. His it's way bigger, it's way more powerful, it's bright, it's it shines brighter. It's just the, the Mayweather fight just turned him amp, turned Amplifier up to. 200 on McGregor so um, I like I said I think there's a creative middle ground that isn't co-promotion that is something else you know maybe uh, it's an unprecedented amount of pay-per-view points or it's right. at least putting his, at least putting his logo you know putting the McGregor Sports Entertainment logo in the ring or, or something something like that but um, or maybe uh, I don't know letting I don't know. I don't know what it is, but there's there's got to be something that isn't co-promoting that they can figure out. And if it is co-promoting, it, it is too. But I think they'll come. I think they'll come to a, to a middle ground, and I think they'll they'll get get something worked out, and we'll see them back. I don't know. Eventually. Um, and if it's you know if if you know if it's you finish out your four fights on on your your contract and then and we'll talk about you know giving you some some ownership stake or whatever it is i think they'll right they'll come to some kind of an agreement there but as far as fight news goes that is uh, the bottom of my list the bottom of your list too i believe yep um so i got two nfl things college football and you said college basketball started next week. Yeah, I believe it starts next week. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay, college basketball starts next week, so uh, something to keep an eye on moving forward there with us. We'll try to keep you up to date with that. T's a Duke fan. What do you got for Duke this year? Uh, they're gonna be they're gonna be the best team in the country leading up to the tournament. I don't know that they will. I'm not predicting them to win at this point, but they're just—I—they I, just have talent all over the floor, and not that other teams don't. But <clears throat> once you, you know, college basketball, once you start atop the rankings, it's very difficult to ever come off that spot, you know, and you know, without losing. 
So I just think that from from preseason to the tournament, they'll be ranked in the number one seed. Um, they got they brought in uh, I think it was seven of the top freshmen. So they brought in Mar- uh, Marvin Bagley is their yeah, number one recruit. Yeah, yeah, he's six ten I think from California, and he was the nation's number one recruit. And he signed with them. They also brought in uh, Trevin Duvall. He was the number six recruit, I think, in the nation. And he was number two, he was the number two point guard. Um, <clears throat> so they got him. They also got Wendell Carter, Gary Trent Jr., and Alex O'Connell. And all those guys were, um, <clears throat> you know, high recruits. O'Connell was uh, was only a four star recruit. Um, but he's a pretty good shooter from, from Georgia, I believe. So they, they have a lot of talent this year and they had, like I said, with, uh, Trent Jr. coming in too, he's the number 17th overall player, uh, the number three shooting guard. So he's there and he was the, he's only their fourth best player that they brought in. So, I mean, they have, they have a lot of, uh, a lot of young talent. And they obviously are going to couple that with, you know, Grayson Allen is the only senior on the team. So he's, and and in reality, it's him and then two other guys are senior and juniors. The rest of them are sophomores or freshmen. So it's going to be a very young team. They're going to be very exciting to watch. Um, Their youth might actually cost them a couple wins this year. Um, You know, youth is a funny thing and, especially in college basketball because you can get some kids who who are still you know 17 18 and the youth is an advantage because they're just cocky and they you know they think they can take on anyone which in college basketball works but if you get one or two of those guys that come to the big stage and all of a sudden are you know a little bit scared of the big stage they can get caught by you know a team like North Carolina or um, even even a team, even a team like Pittsburgh could catch them because um, they play in Pitt this year. So so those young teams, you, regardless of having a lot of talent, as long as they come in with a, a swagger, I think that they're going to be um, from preseason to to March Madness. They'll be the number one team, and then obviously in the tournament, it's a little bit different um, experience kind of takes over especially when you get to the final four so we'll have to see how they progress throughout the year but um i i'm, th- I'm expecting big things from them this year all right that's a good uh little snapshot of the duke blue devils coming in uh for the more casual out there bagley is going to be the the name you'll be hearing on sports center and in your mock drafts and all that kind of stuff um he's probably the consensus first or second pick him and that kid from Missouri, I can't remember his name, but yeah, and they have uh um, oh, it's eluding me too. He just signed his. I can't remember now, but they have Duke has a te- a pretty important test early next Tuesday. They play. play. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they they play <laughs> Cam, um, so they better be worried. No, they play Michigan yeah. State, who's number two right now preseason. So. Oh dang! It, that's yeah, so it's one, and, and, and Michigan State actually has uh, Bridges, uh, Miles Bridges, who's a sophomore, 
and he had a he had a really good le- year last year. In fact, he was they were projecting him as a as a pretty I think I think lottery maybe just outside lottery pick, and then he ultimately decided to stay, even though uh, Izzo was actually trying to talk him into going because he's just that good. So they do have an important test next week and <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see how they how they approach that but um Izzo has he has a more veteran team but like I said their best player Miles Bridges is he's only a sophomore so he's not he's a little bit more seasoned than the Duke team but not by much <laughs> so it, that's you know that'll be an interesting test for them um yeah, that's a that's a heck of a, a first. Is that the first game, probably? Mm, I mean, they play they play they play Elon tomorrow. Ah, uh, the must. But yeah, but uh, I don't know. I don't know that that's. I don't know if that's preseason still or if that's the start of the regular season. But next week uh, against Michigan State is is definitely a regular season. I think it's the Big Ten ACC. Yeah, yeah. Thing so. Um, but yeah, I looked at that. That's their only real test until January, when they start ACC play, because the rest of their um, opponents are are muff. <laughs> I mean, they have they have in, they have Indiana who who might catch them. They're at Indiana um, on November 29th, but the rest is like Southern, Furman, Portland State. Uh, South Dakota uh, so until they get to they're at Pittsburgh January 10th and you know until they get to that point they they don't really come up against any quality opponents besides Michigan State um, alright so that's, uh, that's the, the Dukies for you guys and the kid from Missouri did you think of his name because I looked it up no I didn't Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, that's it. So him and Bagley are, are your two, uh, the, your two uh, highly touted recruit NBA projected recruits at the beginning of the year. So keep an eye on those guys, Michael Porter Jr. and what's Bagley's first name? Marvin. Marvin. Michael and Marvin. Um, check them out. Those be those will be the at least at the beginning of the season the big names to watch in college basketball and. You know, the guys will uh, will come out. You know, the, the talented guys will introduce themselves as the season goes along, and and we'll mm-hmm. get strapped in for March Madness. So that is our college basketball preview with the resources we have at hand. We just focus on one team. So yeah. if you get mad, who cares? Yep. And and you know, Porter went to Missouri because that's where his dad coaches. Who, oh, exactly. I, I thought his dad went there. I wasn't. I wasn't aware that he coached there. Too. Yeah, his his dad was recently hired as an assistant coach. Oh, right. That's been happening a lot in college basketball, hasn't it? Yeah, that's been one yeah. of the that's been one of the things that you know, college or the NCAA wants to try to crack yeah. down on, which is I forgot. I forgot that's been happening a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in this, and actually, in Porter's case, if I'm remembering the story right, he actually committed to Washington. And then Washington fired their head coach, and in doing that, I think that allowed him to transfer out. Um, right. 
and then he decided, you know, I'm saying he decided to go to Missouri, and everything he's kind of said about it has been, you know, I want to go there and leave a legacy, this isn't about my father, which, I mean, you can, you can think what you want, but at the end of the day, he did, he was committed to Washington, and then they just, then they decided to uh, fire their coach, which, to me, if you're thinking about it, like, if this Porter kid is going to be as good as he's, as everybody thinks he's going to be, like, why would you fire your coach who actually signed this kid? Right. <laughs> I mean, it's just, to me, it's like the athletic director of Washington, his job should be, you know, taken away from him just because, yeah. like, man, you, you, you finally cracked, you know, I'm sure they're not getting top recruits, and then you finally get this kid, and then you fire right. the coach that brought him. You know, it's just, to me, it's a whole, it's a weird dynamic, but you're right, that has been going on with college basketball recently where a team will hire a father of a of a kid as and then you know within one or two years all of a sudden you know that kid graduates high school and he goes to that team so it's not hard to draw a link between you know what's going on there <laughs> yeah that's that's crazy but i totally i totally forgot that's been happening i don't want to say a lot but i mean once is, is too much really right but until t- you said that i forgot that's like been a been a problem yeah and there's I don't know. yeah and there's all kinds of problems that it presents other than just saying well instead of paying you we're going to give your dad a job you know what it really does is if for a lot of these schools now that that father is employed at that school that kid also gets to go to school for free because some of these colleges offer that to the their employees Oh, so they don't even use a full scholarship. So, so then, so some of them, so some of them then don't have to burn a scholarship. So they actually get a free scholarship out of it, which oh, is, man. yeah, that it's is, it's that like that is a very big problem. Yeah, you want to talk about being dirty? I mean, that is, if that's not the definition of dirty, that's like the loophole of dirtiness. <laughs> I mean, that's and and that's just how it is, and uh, it's hard to blame these schools for wanting to get an edge especially somebody like Missouri who isn't historically a basketball school now all of a sudden gets the opportunity to be a basketball school because once you start that trend you know say 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 Porter does go out and just completely destroy college basketball this year uh you don't think that kids are going to start to look at that program and be like I kind of want to go to Missouri now you know I want to be the next Michael Porter and it should, but that's it, it, it's it's like the school has to take it and run with it as well, like right, um, market it and all that kind of stuff. Too, but. Yeah, but the main point is that it it starts the ball rolling. Whether or not the ball yeah, continues I mean, to roll is is a different story. I mean, one, but I mean, it, I mean, you know, you're a you're a Division One program. You get in the tournament. That's a a recruiting bonus, right? And that's why those. Right there. That's yeah. why Duke, UNC, and those schools, and Kentucky and Kansas, they're perennial powerhouses because they've been able to build their program. And when you're always in the Final Four, kids are watching that all the time, and they're like, well, I want to be the next Kansas Jayhawk. You know, yeah. when Butler gets in there, kids don't necessarily say, like, I want to be the next Butler Bulldog because after one or two years, when those kids graduate, as you've seen, now Butler isn't anywhere where it used to be with it with those kids so i mean it's not as bad as it was before they got there but it's certainly not to the level 
where Kansas and Duke and UNC, they might have one off year, but you can expect them the next year just to have a great team. Yeah, and that also goes to the longevity of the coaching staff at those right. schools as well. Yep. Like Butler was doing okay with Brad Stevens, Brad Stevens leaves. Right. Same with VCU, Shock is smart. Um, I well, mean, you got your Yukons, you got your Kentuckys, your North Carolinas, your Dukes. Yeah. Well, the th- you know, uh, the thing is when when Brad Stevens goes into the home as the Butler coach, he says, look, this is the model that I built a winning program on. But the next year, when it's Coach X, and he, now he's coaching Butler, he can't walk into a home of a kid and say, I'm the coach of Butler, this is what they've been doing, and now I'm the, you know, without me being the coach, and now I'm the new coach. Like, that kid's not going to respect that guy's resume. So, you can't, it's hard to tell that kid, come to, you know, come to Butler, it'll be the same as it has been the last two or three years when we've been great. It's just not, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, it's tough for a new coach if a new coach isn't attached to a major powerhouse. Right. Like a Yukon, like a Kentucky, like a Duke. Right. Right. Like, if, uh, even, like even even a power like even if you're with a power five school, like if you were with a biggie school back in the day, that carried some credibility. Right. But if you go in in your Butler or if you're Alabama or somebody stupid like that, right. Well, you're gonna no credibility there. I mean, I mean Duke. Duke will need to find when Coach K retires. Duke won't be able to survive just on Duke name alone, they will have to hire a coach that has, a, you know, power name. Now, the first handful of years after Coach K retires, they'll be fine. But you can't keep that program alive unless you bring in talent. And the best way to bring in talent is to have a coach that has coached talent. Well, the, uh, yeah, I mean, you break, you, well, Coach Gay's been there forever, so you, you replace a coach like that, it's, uh, it's going to be, it's just something that's never happened before, so it's going to be a learning curve with, 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 the with everybody, with the school, with the staff you bring in, staff that leaves, with the kids. Yeah. It's just a tough situation at that point, but, but the, the only silver lining there is you can carry, you can put the Duke logo on your recruiting letters. You can wear the Duke logo into the high school kids. It's st- right. You know, it's still going to be Duke living room. And Duke is, uh, yeah, right. But but can, yeah, but can, you know, there's a reason why. There's a reason why when Kentucky loses, um, like Tubby Smith is a who's a who was a big name head coach, and then they go out um, and they hire Calipari. Because they don't want the next coach to be some no name that nobody in the college basketball or no, nobody outside of college basketball has ever heard of. Like they want that Calipari, they want um, <clears throat> they want that big name coach to come in because that star power plus the logo on the top of the sheet means something. So if you don't hire, yeah, I, yeah for sure. Yeah. So if you don't hire Calipari, for instance. And you hire somebody nobody's ever heard of, then all of a sudden that letter sheet that has Kentucky will get the kid excited at first. But then when he comes down to picking his final team, he'll say, "Well, this letterhead has Kentucky, and this letterhead has Duke." But underneath the letterhead it says "From Coach K," and the other one says "From some no-name coach." 
you know, that final tipping point is going to be that it's from Coach K. For for most, in the most case, I mean, obviously there's going to be people that yeah, completely yeah, I, disrespect I, Duke, but... I agree with that. Yeah. That's, sure. that's a, yeah, that's an interesting thing. And if you think about it, at least with Duke and North Carolina are going to be going through that at some point in the sort of near future, you would have to imagine. Yep. Now, Duke has... Duke's only advantage, and this is a true of other schools too, but Duke's advantage in in the coaching situation is Coach K historically has provided his former players with coaching positions, and then they go on to coach other schools. And what what that does is that allows you to to breed a culture of winning basketball. So when Coach K finally does retire. My guess is either one of those former players that have gone on to be head coaches in other schools will become Duke's head coach, or it'll be somebody on his staff um, that is already... So So Duke followers, for instance, will already know the name of the next head coach because whether it's uh, one of the Capels who's, who have, you know... I forget which one it is, but one of the Capels was like Stanford's head coach. So he has head coaching experience outside of Duke. And then once Coach K retires, he's going to be a prime candidate to come in. And it might even be somebody like uh, Jay Billis, who's a lot of people know, who was a former Duke player, that could step into that role. Whether or not he wants to do it is a different story. But that is one advantage that Duke has over some of these other schools is Coach K continues to build his coaching staff around former players of his. Yeah, if you if you do bring in uh, a you know an assistant coach who has been there, you know that mm-hmm. does carry credibility because he's already been on recruiting visits with with the previous head coach. He's already been right. on the phone, emails, letters, whatever it is. So that will get you past him first couple years until he you know lands. Still, he starts building his own credibility with what his teams do on the court and that kind of stuff. So. That right. is another route route you can take for sure. Right, and you know these natural progressions of somebody like Coach K won't be today he's the head coach, tomorrow he's not even near the program. You know, he'll be like a special advisor or something before he actually leaves Duke. But yeah, I mean, you, you would think something yeah. like that would, would take place. Je- Jeff Capel's the guy I was thinking about, uh, by the way. Sorry, Jeff. So. Sorry, Jeff. Mr. Name. All right. Um, so, college basketball. Now we can segue to the college football rankings, week number two. Uh, uh, is the top four the same, or is top four not the same? No, because Ohio State lost. Uh, yeah, they got them all. Uh, Notre Dame and Clemson are now two or now three and four. Georgia. Bama, Notre Dame, Clemson. Yep. Oklahoma's at five. TCU. Then Miami, who's 8 0. Yeah, they're 8 0. They play Notre Dame this week, so Notre Dame will Go be Miami. out of there. Yep. Um, although I'll say, I will say this Notre Dame, er, yeah, not, not Notre Dame. Um, <clears throat> Miami, um, they didn't look, they haven't looked. At, at as at a peak level, I don't th- I don't think they've peaked yet. I guess is what I'm trying to say. 
right, so I don't I'm a little bit concerned because you know they played Florida State it was probably four or five weeks ago now and they looked pretty bad and that's against a depleted Florida State team and then a couple weeks ago they barely beat Georgia Tech and then they played they they handled their business against Syracuse which is something you can't say about Clemson <laughs> but then they then they went to North Carolina which is always a tough game for the Hurricanes and they only won by 5 and then last week they started to show signs of life um but they they had they won that game 28 to 10 I think and there was they they just had too many turnovers in that game so if they play if they play the turnover game um I'm just looking now and they they had three interceptions they threw three interceptions that game so if they if they play like that against Notre Dame, Notre Dame is going to put points on them, and that's just something Virginia Tech couldn't do last week. So I am a little bit concerned about Miami, but um, <clears throat> it's hard to argue with an eight zero start. Yeah, you can't be can't be mad about eight zero. That's for sure. So the top four again is Georgia, Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson. Yep. Um, Ohio. You have Notre. Ohio State's like... Ohio State went to 13. Penn State was 14. Yeah, Penn State sucks. We'll be back like 10 years probably. <laughs> um, but as far as the the uh, matchups to watch coming up Saturday, it would obviously be Notre Dame, Miami, uh, Catholic versus Convicts. little callback there. Yeah. For the, the old one, school stuff, and then I don't know what else we got going on. But yeah, what do you got? Just to, I just to circle around to last week's conversation. The one thing that ultimately sucks about the committee putting Clemson so high is, well, even well, Clemson, and then I guess Notre. If Notre Dame beats Miami this week, they make a strong argument for why they're third. Um, but the the thing that really sucks about Clemson being four. Is if there's no way to root them, if there's no way to take them out besides them losing, here's yeah. their next games, and you tell me if they're going to lose any of these. They got Florida State, who's like I just said, is highly depleted, and then they go against the powerhouse, which is the Citadel, and then I think they they end the season with like South Carolina. I mean, those are <laughs> those are pretty. Well, I, mean, they'll, I mean, they'll obviously be favored, so right. Now, um, is there is there an ACC championship game? ACC? Because that is not yeah. what they play. Yeah, yeah, there will be. That'll but be Miami. <clears throat> it'll be. I'm not sure who it would be. I'd have to look it up to see which which conference which uh, division they're in. Well, what they is it Miami in the ACC? Well, yeah, but they have Coastal and Atlantic. They have two. They have oh, two divisions. Oh, you're t- so you're telling me it's going to be like it'd be like a, a Penn State, Ohio State type right. of situation. I think they're in different. I think they're in different divisions. So it could. So it would be the ACC title game could be Clemson versus Miami, assuming both programs uh, are. I are, mean, they're not opposite divisions. Yeah, they. I'm just looking at it now. They are for sure. So it. So yeah, the ACC title game would be Miami versus Clemson. Okay, so that is a committee's uh, hail mary, so to speak. Well, unless Miami unless Miami loses this week and then beats 
Clemson in the ACC conference. Right, then they got a mess back on their right <laughs> back on their hands. Yeah. Yep. So, but that's just that's my only point from last week when we talked about why the rankings now matter for in the future. And it's just because you're telling us that Clemson is the fourth best team. So if all they do is go out and win, how could they not continue to be the fourth best team? And they play FSU, yeah, Citadel, and South Carolina, which, you know, n- none of those teams are really that. I mean, South Carolina is six and three, but they're not ranked. I mean, so you don't you don't expect Clemson to lose that game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I agree. It's it's a it's uh not not ideal. I mean, nothing is ideal, right? For the committee, but uh, I don't know. But I mean, you just gotta hope this stuff works itself out for the sake of for the sake of us as fans and for the sake of the committee as their decision making process goes. You gotta hope that that yeah. stuff works itself out. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe uh, you know they gotta change it again and in the next couple of years. But yeah, and it's time. I mean, this. We've been talking about this for a very long time, and we're not the only ones, but Notre Dame has got to get into a conference. It is bullcrap to see these teams who are going to be playing each other at the end of the season because they're in conferences and they'll, they'll have conference championships. Yeah, like, I mean, this is like it's like the, my biggest like pet peeve of, of all sports. Notre Dame isn't in a conference. They don't split any any money with any other team. And yet, all these teams decide, yeah, we'll play you. Right. You, know, you say, say, fuck you, Notre Dame. You're not going to join a conference. You're not playing any of our teams. Have fun playing Army, Navy, Air Force. Right. Nobody else. Yeah, I think. If you're not in a conference. We're not letting you play any of our teams. Yeah. Join a goddamn conference. Be a normal person and earn your way into the playoffs, not carry your weight of Notre Dame name into the playoffs. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, and it's, it's just total BS. I mean, there's no reason for them to not be in a conference. And I don't even care. I I, I mean, I, obviously I do care about... They just think... It's just, it's just a Notre Dame. They just think they're better than everybody else. Oh, we don't need a conference. We're Notre Dame. Well, <laughs> except they're in the ACC for basketball. I mean, it's just it, it's just so stupid. Just join the ACC fully, and the ACC, ACC shouldn't even have ACC taken them in basketball. Said, yeah, they should have said, not letting you in for basketball if you're not joining us for football. Right. There's no way the ACC should have agreed to that agreement. Right, and it's just it's so it's just so stupid. At the end of the day, like just join a conference and, like you said, be a real person. Like, don't I mean? It, to me, it just says at the end of the season they get to play Navy and BYU and Army, and they can yeah. feel good about it. I don't know. It's uh, even though Dame is a, a sour subject yeah in my lifetime for sure so even though navy is actually technically in a conference but anyway they still play them every year i think yeah they, yeah, they still play the uh, academies every year so. yeah um nothing against the academies army navy is always always a cool thing but yep. um yeah notre dame should 100 percent be in the conference and conferences should not allow them to play them if they're not in the conference. Um, right. Anyways, that is uh, what do we? What do I have to say? Story for another podcast. Um, there's a lot of things we talk about, like why isn't there a unified DH rule in all of it? Baseball. Why is Notre Dame in a conference? 
why don't why don't every why doesn't every state adopt the unified? Yeah, why doesn't every state have the unified MMA rules? <laughs> which, which how can <laughs> you call okay. them unified? I mean, how, how can you how can you actually label something unified when the yeah. states aren't unified? I mean, I I don't want to get into this right now, so I'm just gonna shut up. But that's so so stupid. Yeah, there's some there's definitely some stupid things in the world, but you gotta you gotta you gotta wake up every day and do your best. <laughs> but that's it. I got two NFL notes, and then we can uh, wrap it up. You got anything else you want to get to? Nope. Let's let's get into it. All right. We talked about one of these. We didn't talk about the other one. So the one that we didn't talk about is Josh Gordon reporting back to the Browns after about thirty-five years being suspended. <laughs> I mean, that might actually be how long he was suspended. <laughs> Um, for those of you who may not remember who Josh Gordon is, yeah, um, played for the Browns, led to the league in receiving at like 22 years old, um, failed some drug tests, failed some more drug tests, went to rehab, finally got reinstated. I believe he's eligible to play next week. He's in the Browns facility as of Tuesday, working out, practicing. He said to be in shape. He said that he was working out with like Randy Moss and and those guys in the off season. So. Um, he's a talented. He's still only 26. Was talented the last time he was on the field. So he's, uh, I don't know. He's, he can turn it around. He can be a shell of himself, what he once was. It's going to be an interesting, uh, storyline in the second half of the season, at least. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it would have been. I mean, I don't, I don't have any, I don't have any invested interest really in him. But it would have been a sad end to a, to an NFL career to know that he, what he went out because drug because of a drug problem and not because of any not because of an actual physical you know he lost talent or anything like that because he did have a I mean those for those number of games that he played early on I mean he was dynamic and. We haven't uh, seen now, him in a while, who, but who did, who did he play? And uh, who did he play for those years? For the Browns. Yeah, dynamic and the Browns. You don't often hear them in the same sentence. Right. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, he just it could have. I mean, when you think about it, it could have changed the fate of the Browns. Except they're still right. the Browns. So who knows? Yeah, they might have messed. They might have messed it up somehow. But you're right. It could have. It could have at least given some hope. Right. Right, and they were, I mean, it's been what it's been at least two years now, right, since he's played a game. So. Oh yeah, at least. So it it will be interesting to see how he looks when he comes back, and he'll be he'll be stepping right in as the number one probably, right? Maybe maybe no, Corey not? maybe Corey Coleman is, you know, their rookie from last year, their second year player. So, but besides him, I mean, they were they were trotting out Kenny Britt. To the start the season, <laughs> so yeah, bringing out some <clears throat> bringing out some clowns. So I mean, you, why not? You got Josh Gordon, run him out there and, and see what he can do again. Yeah, I don't know what their plan is for him. If they plan to, I don't know what his contract looks like at this point. But um, well, it's a weird. I don't know what I don't know what kind of trade value you would have being. He, you know, can't really trust them yet. So yeah, we well, can't trade them anyway right now. 
So well, I mean, I, I mean, not now. I mean, as far as the offseason and all that goes. But. Yeah. What's interesting is when you think about it, he's coming back after two years of being out of football. Like, this is a new coaching staff for him, I think. Right. I don't think Hugh Jackson oh, yeah. was their coach. So it's like well, he he's, he's probably missed about four or five. Browns coaches. <laughs> he's, he's missed four or five uh, coaching changes. <laughs> and, well, he probably so if he missed four or five coaching changes, he probably missed like twenty quarterback changes. <laughs> yep. Oh my yep. god, that that franchise is just—it's something special, man. It's something special. But yeah, I mean, this is—it's kind of weird because like he's coming into a program that he's completely unfamiliar with because he's been out of football so long, and these this is an entirely new coaching staff, so. It'll be interesting to see how how they use him and how much how willing they are to use him right away. Well, what are they? Zero and eight. Yeah, something like that. So how? Uh, I mean, I mean, we've seen this stubbornness before with the Browns, but you can't be that stubborn as to not play Josh Gordon when you're zero and eight, and you're you know may may save your job. Right. I mean, I mean, sit, sitting him is not going to save your job, but if you play him and he. Is Josh Gordon of the past that potentially saves saves that coaching staff's job? Right. I mean, there's nothing to lose. You're. It doesn't matter if you're looking for your coaching job or not. It's just you're zero and eight. Something has to change. And if right. you're getting I mean, a free yeah. talent like this, take advantage yep. of it. Yeah, I agree. So I agree. He, he should but, play for sure. But we're way smarter than college or then uh head coaches in the nfl anyway so who knows hugh jackson might not a, use them i just thought of another uh another situation to, to talk about um as, as we talked about last week i believe that 49ers traded for garoppolo um didn't play him last week because he uh you know just got into town probably like wednesday mm-hmm. and they are not planning on uh starting they kiffer Mayo again, so they're planning on sitting Garoppolo again this week as well. So, so wait, their quarterback's going to be that Beathard or whatever? Yeah, okay. Beathard. I mean, what? I don't so get my, it. So uh, my, my Shanahan, uh, anti-Shanahan theory is he's going to trade for Garoppolo. He's going to not play, not play him because he's going to say he doesn't know the playbook. And then... They're still going to draft quarterback in the first round next year. Oh my god! So I mean, I could see it happening. Which it, I mean, it's it's the uh, the dumbest thing, right? You could possibly do, but being that Kyle Shanahan is running the team, I don't have much faith in. I just Shanahan. I don't understand. <laughs> like, I I mean, you want your quarterback to know. And, oh, and 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 the Forty Nineers are also zero wins and eight losses. Yeah, no, they're nine losses actually. Oh, sorry, nine losses. Yeah, they 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 haven't had the opportunity to have a bye week yet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but yeah, they're just I just I don't get it, man. You you trade. Um, actually, that that brings me that brings up my assignment for my homework assignment for myself last week. Um, we were talking about the quarterbacks, you know, that the Patriots traded and what they got in return. Oh, did um, you look that up? I did actually look that up, and we can go through it if you want, but you get a second-round pick for Garoppolo, and you're not going to play him in the first week. Fine, it's midweek, whatever. You know, you don't want to throw him out there right away. The Eagles barely played a Jai last week for that reason. 
Now, the Eagles right. had the benefit of this week they have a bye week, so they didn't have to rush him in to get the playbook. They could have gave him the playbook and said, here, learn these 20 plays. We'll put you in a, you know small situations during the game and get you acclimated a little bit to how Wentz hands the ball off and stuff like that, and then we'll give you the full playbook next week um, after the game. But <clears throat> why trade for a talent and give up, especially giving up that kind of draft pick, and then not play him. I just, I don't get it. I I don't understand it. And like you said, they're 0-9. What is the worst that could happen? He goes out and plays well? <laughs> I mean, I mean yeah. it's just, it's ridiculous. You maybe win a game? Right, right. Yeah. Worst case is he goes out there and wins you a game. And this is a good spot to actually play him because the Giants are 1-7. I mean, and they're and the Giants are coming to you. Like this, if this isn't the perfect situation to play them, the only other more perfect situation is that the Browns were coming to play you. <laughs> I mean, that's that's how bad it is. So just start them and see what happens. Yeah, the, the Shanahan's are a uh, particular bunch. That's for sure. Yeah. Um. So what is the result of your your home run defense? So anyway, um, <clears throat> I looked at I looked at the backup quarterbacks for the last oh, 15 years, I think, for the Patriots uh, from with Tom Brady st- as obviously the starter, and there was a handful of guys that we've never heard of, and <clears throat> you know Damon well Damon Heward I, I don't know if you've ever heard of him but. He's Brock Heward's brother. Yeah, I um, then there was somebody named Rohan Davey. He was a backup. Uh, Jim Miller, Matt Castle. So once you start getting into the Castles, you start recognizing names. So they drafted Castle in the seventh round um, of 2005. Um, and then they had other quarterbacks like Doug Flutie was a backup quarterback. Uh, Matt Gutierrez, Kevin O'Connell, Brian Hoyer, Ryan Mallett. You know, so we start as you get closer to, you know, twenty two thousand seven. You start recognizing those names. But what I what I looked up was, what did the Patriots get in return for trading their backup quarterbacks to other teams with Brady as the starter? So the first the first quarterback that was traded with Brady as the starter is obviously Drew Bledsoe. Um, he had. A, you know, a pretty decent career leading up to that point. And then Brady just beat him out for the job. They ended up winning the, was it the 2001 Super Bowl? And then so, yeah. 2002 or 2003. Anyway, so what do you think that the Bills traded two Patriots for Bledsoe? I, I don't know. Uh, second round pick? They traded a first round pick for Drew Bledsoe. Yeah, and they turn the Patriots turned that pick into Ty Warren. Um, Ty Warren actually had a pretty decent career. I think he played for like twelve seasons or something like that. So that was a pretty good pick for the Patriots. It, it ended up being the thirteenth pick of that year. Um, <clears throat> so, so their first experiment with trading a backup quarterback got them a first round pick, and they turned that into a pretty good player. So that's decent value. Um, I think you would agree with that. Their second, oh, yeah, sure. <clears throat> so then their second situation with trading a backup quarterback is Matt Castle. They actually traded Castle and Vrabel to the Chiefs. You want to take a guess on what 
their return for that was. They got they actually didn't. They got a second round pick, but the Chiefs were terrible that year, so it was the thirty fourth overall pick. So essentially a first round pick. And they turned that pick into Patrick Chung, who again he had another value pick for sure. Yeah, he had a, I mean he had a decent career, so you got rid of you got rid of your backup quarterback and you got rid of an aging linebacker. Uh I mean at that point he was I, my guess is he had he was probably at least 10 years into the league. I didn't I didn't look up Vrabel's stats, but um, And that was an expiring Matt Flynn contract as well, I believe. Matt Castle. Matt Castle contract. Um <clears throat> so so they so they drafted Castle in 2005. And I think they pulled this trade off in 2000 at the end of the 2008 season. So yeah, so that's end of his rookie deal then. Yeah, so he had so they drafted him in 2005 in the seventh round, and they <laughs> and they got a second and they got a, essentially a first round pick for him and Vrabel. <laughs> I mean, I would say that they did a pretty good job there. Um, so their next, I would agree, yeah. yeah, so their next, so they're two for two. Their next pick, um, or I'm sorry, the next qu- backup quarterback that they traded was Ryan Mallett. Uh, to the Ravens. <laughs> To the well, he went to the Texans. Bill oh, you're O'Bri- right, you're right. Yeah, Bill O'Brien traded for him. Um, I believe Bill O'Brien was there when they drafted him. So probably. there was probably yeah. some connection with Bill O'Brien knowing Matt or Ryan Mallett. Um, <clears throat> so they got. What do you think they got for for Mallett? I don't remember. Second round. No, this one was actually a little bit more in balance with what you see with traded players. He actually, they actually only got a sixth, a conditional sixth round pick, okay. which I believe stayed a sixth round pick. I don't remember. Oh, they ended up. I think they ended up trading that pick. Um, anyway, so so they got a sixth round pick for him, and then their next two that I've that I noted were obviously they traded Brissett first, and they got Dorsett for him. And then they just traded Garoppolo, and they got a second-round pick. So of their backup court, just to recap, of their backup quarterbacks that they traded, they traded Bledsoe, Castle, Mallet, Garoppolo, and Brissett. And the return on those investments were, or the return on those picks were a first-round pick, a second-round pick, or two second-round picks, a sixth-round pick, and then a wide receiver, which is Philip Dorsett. I would say that they've done a pretty damn good job of trading their remember their backup quarterback for a first again a first round pick and two second round picks and then a sixth round pick i mean if you ever wonder why yeah, the, uh, if you ever wonder why the patriots are much more than that. yeah and that's why they're so so good and why they've been so good for the last like i said this is i think it was from 2001 to 2017 so the last 16, 17 years. And that's just what they've done at the backup quarterback position. I'm sure in other positions it's the same. They just get, they find value in the draft, and whether or not people see that value on the field doesn't really matter. They just see that it's coming from the Patriots, and they want a piece of the Patriots, so they make those trades. And I would say that in most of those cases they've, the team has the other team has lost i think maybe the only case well probably the only case that could be made is the brissette for dorset because dorset has done nothing this year and jacoby brissette is actually the starting quarterback for the colts so 
maybe you could make the case that the Colts won that trade. But, I mean, Mallet's not even in the league anymore. So getting a sixth rounder for him is a pretty good deal. <laughs> and, you know, getting a second round pick for Garoppolo is probably going to be a pretty good deal. Now that one's still up in the air because Garoppolo could end up having a phenomenal career. But, I mean, a first rounder for an aging Bledsoe, a second rounder for Matt Castle, who he had, he was okay for Kansas City, but he was never great. So, yeah, that's, he was decent. But yeah, that's the result of my my self-given homework assignment. I like it. I I forgot about it, but that was good. Good insight from uh, from our researchers. And it's all yeah, and it's a lot harder to look up those trades than you would think. Yeah, there's not oh, just a bet, there's yeah. not just a list of the <laughs> trades that the Patriots made. I've tried. I thought it was gonna be <laughs> I thought it was gonna be simple. Like I just literally type in the cert, like Yahoo or Google and just say list of trades the Patriots made. It's not that easy. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's a good a uh, good little uh, assignment we had there. So. That was nice. I have one more NFL note. Um, I think we've talked about this a hundred times already. Ezekiel Elliott is once again suspended for six games starting today, I guess. And his next court hearing isn't until four weeks from now. So he's out at least four weeks as of today. So plan accordingly. Cowboys fans, fantasy football owners, that's where we're at. Yeah, just, I mean, it's easy for me to say because I'm an Eagles fan, but you just got to take the suspension, get it over with. At get, this point, that's, it looks like that is is where it's at. Right. I mean, they're 5-3, and three, I think, but the Eagles are 8-1. and one. They're not going to win that division. I mean, they're still going to be fighting for a playoff spot, which is hard to just say, sit your best... I mean, I guess people can argue Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott's their best offensive player, but you know it's hard to, for a team to say we're just going to sit our by far our best running back for six weeks when we're trying to fight for a playoff spot. Yeah, I mean uh, it's tough because you. Uh, I mean, the later in the season it is, the worse, the more. Uh, heavy the suspension weighs I guess right um but I mean if you the the main the main point is if you take the suspension now and just say you go a conservative um or or just say you go three and three just to split it down the middle then you're still you still eight and six and then he's coming back versus trying to keep putting this off keep putting this off and then get closer to the postseason and yep. then have him run out of options and then ultimately having him you know serve it and then miss maybe even a playoff game or two. So, just take it just take it now and I know it sucks and you're going to lose game checks, but just take it now and come back in 6 weeks and dominate. Yeah, I agree. I think it's uh I mean, they pretty much ran out of appeals and injunctions and all that kind of stuff, so pretty much final at this point until that hearing in four weeks and then they can implement the, the last two weeks or suspend those two weeks or, or whatever happens at that point but um yeah so right now he's he's fine you know he's, he's finally going to miss 
miss some games here coming up, and uh, the Cowboys will have to get McFadden and Alfred Morrison, and maybe open up uh, open up the passing game a little bit with with some guys. But uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting four weeks for Cowboys fans and for uh, fantasy owners trying to plug in some uh, replacements there for for Zeke. Mm-hmm. But I said I'm tired of talking about his suspension. I hope he just serves his six games and we can move on. Yeah. Um, and that, with that, I am out of any topics to cover on this Thursday night. Yeah, I I mean, Any, anything I don't else we can we can talk about. <clears throat> Uh, no, not really. The only thing is I'm <laughs> a little bit saddened because you beat me in Kurt's League last week. I did. I beat you in Kurt's League and with AJ Green getting suspended. No, I I just or thought... not suspended. With AJ Green getting kicked out. I mean, I just... You, you haven't scored 100 points all all year and then you put up 118. <laughs> like, what? And, and like you said, with that's with AJ Green being ejected. Yeah. I mean, it's just... It was ridiculous. I was watching... I It was like... It was like 87 to like 30, <laughs> like with three quarters into the first to the one o'clock games, and I was like, "Wow!" I was like, "I was this is a pretty easy week," and that was before <laughs> Dak went. That was before Zeke went, and I turned it on. I turn I turn on the thing at the end of like halfway through the eight o'clock uh, the night game, and you were killing me. I was like, "Oh!" I was like, "This is I was this was not expected." <laughs> so you you completely ruined my weekend with that and yeah. took me out of the top spot there for the standings. It was a weird weird fantasy football week. I, I beat you with AJ Green getting uh, kicked out. I lost to somebody in Troy's league who played Fournette who ended up being out. Oh, that stings. And then, yeah, and then my brother-in-law's league, I we we beat the guy who was eight and zero up to that point. Yeah. Then in Matt's league, I think I you dominated Don. Yeah, I beat Don. Yep. And I beat it was a l- little bit of a strange week for me. So the funny thing about Matt's league is, so Paul texts me. It's like I don't know, twelve fifteen, twelve twenty, <laughs> and he texts me and he says, "Hey, I just wanted to be a good friend, but you have Zach Ertz in your starting lineup." Um, and he's not playing. So I like I already knew that I was like I was already in the process of picking up who I want, you know, deciding who I wanted to pick up the tight end. So it's not like he you know, exactly told me that this was happening and I had no idea. But <clears throat> it's just funny because he was he was dominating me the whole day and I caught up to him like you caught up to me. All I had left was the Lions defense and they ended up scoring 9 points and and beating him. Um, so that, I mean, that was just a little, that was an interesting thing that he pulled. Like, why would you text your opponent and tell them? I, that I, actually, I actually did that this week too. Oh, you did? I was yeah. playing Dawn and, uh, Thursday night. I don't remember who, who played last Thursday. Oh, I can't, was it the, it wasn't the Packers, was it? I can't remember off the top of my head. Let me see. Um. Yeah, I texted. Well, let me see who was playing first, and then I'll get the story straight. Yeah, so he, so he was playing. Essentially, he was playing somebody that was injured. Yeah, he was playing somebody who was ruled out. 
Um, let me look. I'm, I got this. Just gotta find Don T in there. I don't know what it's called. It's oh, yeah. T Lex Butts. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, was it Bill's Jets? Oh, wait. I'll just check my phone because I texted him. It was Bill's Jets who played. I don't know what player he would have had on his team. Uh, oh, yeah. Benjamin. Because he got traded. And then they rolled him out. And he still had him in his lineup. And uh, I, I said, yo, Benjamin, you know, Benjamin's out. It was like, uh, what time was it? It was uh, it was 10 after 8. So 20 minutes before the game started. Um, he said, yeah, I was just, just getting ready to change him, just like you were with Paul's situation. Yeah. Um, but I did make, I, I don't know if I would do that for for everybody in the league, but with Don, um, I don't know if he was working or, you know, at the hospital or whatever. Was right. Happening, so. Right. I th- I mean it's I mean it's fine. I I just I wouldn't do it. I just think that from the from the standpoint that it's on that person to to check to make sure. But also, I can't remember the last time. I mean, at the beginning of the week, like I'll check to see who you who you have in your lineup. But but like right before game time, I'm not really concerned with who you have in. So like I would never even notice that like I play Vo this week, I would never notice that he's gonna play somebody that might be injured, because I just don't really check his lineup right before game time. So yeah, I I really don't either. What's funny though is I I was uh I was texting Don and I said yo I said yo Benjamin's out, but I accident I accidentally texted Don Lee, <laughs> and he's like he's he's like I was like I was like oh sorry man I meant I meant the wrong. I hit the wrong Don in my contacts. He's like, yeah, and then we just talked a little bit about, like, he thought, he, like, he, why why he's not playing and stuff, but that was just funny. I, I hit Don Lee instead of Don, and then uh, yeah, we got that straightened out, but, yeah, yes. like I said, it, I, I don't know. I pretty much made an exception for, for Don, because I didn't know what his schedule, I don't know how much, right. well, I know he has less free time than we do, so I was just, was just looking out for fellow for, looking out for a doctor. For a fellow doctor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know you're in the doctor fellow, community. Fellow league member. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, shout out to Paul. Shout out to you for, for doing that. But I, I just, I don't think I, not because I would intentionally do it, but I just don't. Normally, yeah. I don't check the, who who I'm playing. I don't see who they got, until after the game starts. So. Basically, what like. I don't, I don't like I don't look at a matchup until waivers clears, mm-hmm. and then I'll and then I'll look and say okay this is who he has. Right. Yeah. Like on Wednesday morning I'll look, and I'll just be like okay well this is probably who he's gonna start. And then yeah and then Thursday when I get home from work I'll say okay do they have anybody playing tonight? Do I have anybody playing tonight? Because fuck I don't, I don't even know. Right. Half the time if I have anybody playing Thursday so I say okay do I have anybody playing tonight? Do my opponents have anybody playing tonight? And then, you know, the normal routine Sunday rolls along. But that's pretty much how my week goes as far as fantasy goes. Yeah. I do my waivers. I, uh, waivers clears. I check to see who I got. I check to see my opponent's lineup after waivers clears. Thursday, I check to see if I have anybody playing, if my opponents have anybody playing. And then, you know, the regular Sunday routine. But, yeah. That's pretty much it for me. Yeah. I'm- <clears throat> I'm a lot less interested in who they 
and who my opponents have. Uh, like I said, like you, same with you. It's just once the games start, then I then I dig in to see who they who they have and who they don't have. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't I don't really look to see if. I mean, I I don't really dig into their lineups. I say, right. you know, they got a pretty good team, or they're playing, you know, somebody who you know is a little bit of a stretch because they got this bye week or, or whatever it may be. But yeah, um, yeah, and I I do that mainly because I used to I used to try to play the whole oh if he's got my if if I got a receiver against his quarterback like I'll play my receiver, and then that just never works out. So I I've actually had to stop checking to see who the opponent has because that's been that caused me some wins in years past so that's that's pretty much the only reason why i don't i don't look to see ahead of you know game time who they have but yeah that's that's yeah there's a little bit of a i mean i don't know there's really no reason to care too much who they have you're going to find out when you're looking at the scores populate anyway right um but that was probably a tangent we didn't need to go down. <laughs> no, that's all right. That's a good way to to wrap it up, anyways. Yeah. Some personal uh, insight for our our loyal followers out there. But as far as news goes, pretty slow week, so um, we did the best we could, and we'll be back next week um, with hopefully some good news. I don't think anything crazy is happening this weekend so uh yeah we'll get the nfl nba maybe some college basketball in maybe hit that fight night if anything crazy happened yep um and anything else of note that comes along we'll uh be sure to let you know and uh the cardinals and the seahawks are still going at it Cavs and rockets are still going at it oh Cavs and rockets is over i don't know who won just like the war, the Rockets one maybe. Not sure. I don't know. I'm gonna find out in three seconds, and then we can get out of here. Rockets one by four. Yeah, oh, Rockets one by four. Another big night for Hart. Fifty-six for James Harden. Fifty-six. That's, that's way too many. That's not. That's not true. Fifty-six. Oh, coming off career high, fifty-six points. He had thirty-five. He had a triple double. He had 35, yeah. though. All right, triple-double is kind of impressive. Triple-double and five steals. <laughs> Trip, that's like three and a half. Three, that's like triple and a half triple and double? Triple and a half, yeah. <laughs> All right, this is getting out of control. We better yeah. get out of here. Yeah, bye. All right, see you later, people.